Good morning and happy Sabbath. As always, we're so excited that you chose to study with us today on our very last study on the book of Ephesians for this quarter. Uh, we're going to be diving into the entire book, try to take a bird's eye view of everything. And today, instead of Pastor Miguel, I have Pastor Philip with us. But before we invite him on, let's have a word of prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to join us as well. Our good and gracious God, we want to thank you so much. Thank you so much for this book, for the time that we've had to learn from it, to learn from the experience of Paul and the Ephesians, the message that you spoke to them that are still so relevant to us today. And as we finish studying the book of Ephesians, we ask that you continue to guide us, help mm -hmm. us to understand and help that understanding to transform yeah. the way we live. Yeah. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Philip, hey, welcome. Joey. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Glad to be here. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have Philip with us. He brings a different kind of energy to this group. Hey, I try to do my best, whatever I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I know that you've led us in some parts of, of the Book of Ephesians. Yeah, Today, yeah. we're going to do a whole bird's eye view. I think it was near the beginning, maybe in the first and second chapter a little bit. So it was it was fun to be part of that. Yeah, while Pastor Miguel was traveling elsewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that right. was really neat. Yeah. Well, um, Dr. McVeigh, in, in the beginning of this lesson, he talks about the London Eye. I don't mm. know. Have you ever, did you ever ride the London I Eye before? I haven't ridden it, but I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. We've been able to go to London. It's, it's really beautiful just yeah. to watch it. It's huge. Yeah. So I've, I've never been to London, mm. but I'm told like, it's not like a typical Ferris wheel. It isn't. It's, Enormous. It's ginormous. We were. I remember we were in a hotel just recently. We we actually got stuck in London. Believe it or not, it was That's terrible. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. terrible. <laughs> but uh, we were flying from Croatia. We were visiting family we hadn't seen in over twelve years, and uh, canceled our flight. And they said, "There's no other flight out of London for the next four days." Mm -hmm. Sorry. So there we were, and we get to our hotel. We get up to the kind of floor that it was on. And man, through the entire city, huge skyrise building, and there you could still see the London Eye. It was, I mean, it was just, it's ginormous. Yeah. It's really, really big. It really fills up the skyline. It, it does. I mean, at, at one end, you can see it uh, pretty clearly. So it's not just a little tiny Ferris wheel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that we get to see here at Live Oak Canyon. You know, you're driving down and there's this lit up thing, but over there, it's it's huge. Wow. But it wasn't working when we were there. Oh, it wasn't. So we, we didn't even get a chance to go. Elena was scared that the kids would kind of freak out up in yeah. the sky and there's no way to get quickly down. Yeah. So <laughs> when you're up there, you just, there's you're no, there's no way So maybe when they get a little older, we'll, we'll do that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you do get a, a broader picture from the top, kind of yeah. thinking about the book of Ephesians. Yeah. 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 You know, um, I know that there's some viewers, some of you are joining us from London and from England, and maybe next time you're stuck out there, they yeah. can host you. Hey. And you can meet some of our That's viewers awesome. out there. That's awesome. Yeah. But that, that bird's eye view, now I, I've never been to London Eye, but when we went to Korea, we went to the tallest building in Korea, oh. Lotte World Tower. Okay. And um, you just get this just being really high up, mm. you get this perspective, right? It's almost like when you're flying and you're you're about to land yeah. and everything seems so small. Like the yeah. cars look like toys. Yeah. Like even, even though they may be going at 70 miles per hour in the freeway, but they don't actually look mm. like they're moving that fast. The perspective changes everything. Mm. And I know that um, Dr. McVeigh talks about how the book of Ephesians is sort of a bird's eye view of Paul's theology. Mm. You get sort of this this yeah. 
up view of of the book of 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 yeah. all of what Paul teaches yeah. in his theology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Paul has written over a dozen books of the New Testament, the most prolific of the New Testament authors in in some way in terms of number of books. Yeah. Um, but what I think that I I really admired in Paul's work here, kind of from a bigger perspective, is that he deeply cares about both the glory and majesty of God mm -hmm. and the work of Jesus in his plan. Yeah. But then secondly, how that plan affects earthly interactions throughout, mm -hmm. you know? And that I think is so cool when people uh, think of genuine Christianity. Yeah. It isn't just this incredible worship of God with piety, you know, and just sitting on your knees, you know, thank you God, you know, uh, which there is an element of that, but it's like, God is also deeply concerned for how our worship of him impacts the world around us. Yeah. And so there's this quote I do want to read uh, from one theologian in his commentary, and, and, and it's written, and I just thought it would be kind of uh, thoughtful for you all to hear. More than any other book in the Bible, Ephesians displays the great purpose and plan of God for the church. Mm. It provides a perspective that is unique. God's plan and the believers view from the heavenly realms. This perspective may be thought of as the vertical dimension and the plan of God as the linear dimension of the book. This plan and perspective are more significant for determining the main subject or theme of Ephesians than are the various topics usually proposed. It is true, for example, that the book contains important teaching about the church and the Christian maturity and it is possible to outline the book in such themes, but the major distinctive of Ephesians is not any individual topic, but the way the topics are viewed. Mm -hmm. And it's through that lens of both the incredible glory of God through Jesus that is seen and how that impacts our relationships with each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that's so well said. Yeah. That that Paul and especially in the book of Ephesians is very clear that he's not so heavenly minded that he has no earthly good. Right, right, right. Like right, there is right. actually yeah. a difference that the theology of God makes in the practical yes. ways that we live. Yes. And I think everyone should probably pay attention to that throughout their life. You know, when you are espousing a certain theological perspective, recognize that the character of God yearns to impact us in such a way that it it benefits our life. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a really important concept. You know, as a kid, you're like, oh, faith and all these rules and all these things. It just seems to be, it's all about hindering what I want to do. But in reality, man, when we understand the grandeur of who God is, yeah. there's this elevation that he wants to help everyone reach their fullest potential in this life through their worship of him. Yeah. You know, and so when you see more clearly the character of God, his goodness, his mercy, both his justice and his and his mercy, um, it, it helps society mm -hmm. rise up to the level that we're supposed to be at. Yeah. yeah. And when we divorce those two things is sometimes when we struggle. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about and my my daughters are taking different different maths right now in seventh grade and in ninth grade. But sometimes when they get bogged down in the theory of mm -hmm. math, they they ask the question, "What difference does this? What difference right. does algebra two make in right, my life? Right, like, right. how does none, <laughs> none at all? You'll never use it again. <laughs> That's not what I tell them. <laughs> okay, 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 good. No, but 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 then we we so we have a conversation about the practical. Like this is helping you. It, it, 
understand logically problem solving mm. to be able to set up these problems to set them up in a in a mathematical equation so that you can solve for mm. um, solve for an answer yeah. that kind of thought process is actually helpful mm. but if you if you divorce that completely from the practice sometimes it just seems theory and sometimes yeah. we do that because Sometimes we're more comfortable with theory. Mm. And then once that theory starts invading into the way that we live, it actually makes us a little bit uncomfortable, mm. right? Mm. Because if God is just theoretical, we can say, yeah, I believe that, yeah. but don't force me to change the way mm. that I live. Mm -hmm. And Paul is very clear, even in the way that he divides the book of Ephesians, yeah. half of it, chapters one through three, is the theory, mm. right? Is about who God is and what he's done. But four through six is now what's the implications yeah. of that what difference yeah. does that make in, yeah. our, in our lives absolutely you know our young adult ministry for some time it started out with a tagline and it was practice and there was a line and then theory and it, it intended to mean hey practice is more significant than theory and then we kind of evolved in our saying like wait a minute I don't know if that is necessarily the best way to think about it. This is better than this. And so now it's become where where theory becomes practice, mm. you know, and it's literally this following of Ephesians, like, wow, the theory really impacts how we live out our faith. And so the young adult ministry really yearns to be that in its, in its form, what we declare with our mouth. We want to see done in the word, in action, than in life. Yeah. So I'm really excited to kind of jump into this with you and to see a little bit of, of that sequentially snapshot. Yeah. So, so I thought today what we would do is just take it a chapter at a time and yeah. talk about maybe something that struck us, something that we found significant, something that we found beneficial yeah. in each of the chapters yeah. of the book. That's awesome. And so chapter one, Paul mm -hmm. begins with, as he does in, with many of his letters, he has a greetings. Mm -hmm. And then in verses three through uh, 14, he talks about these um, blessings that he's mm -hmm. so grateful mm -hmm. to God on. Mm -hmm. And it's really focused on what God has done for people in general. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then in 15 through 23, he, he's, he's very thankful for what God has done specifically for the Ephesians. And then his sort of gives a hint of the hopes that he has mm -hmm. for them mm -hmm. moving forward. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what, what struck you about chapter? Yeah. What's something, I mean, there's so much good oh, here, yeah. right? But, oh yeah. But is there anything that kind of struck you about chapter oh, one? Oh, yeah. You know, I think this this book uh, begins in a beautiful way. I love how Paul just talks about the significance of this group of people. Yeah. In verse 15, 16, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all his people, I haven't stopped giving mm. thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Verse 6, 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Yeah. You know, if we could stop there just for a moment, Joey. A lot of times we get to a point kind of as adults, at least me, I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for any of you, okay? But I get to a point where it's like, you know, I pretty much know all I need to know about faith. Yeah. At this point, it's just bonus, mm. you know? And to some degree, there's truth to that. Yeah. But if you realize what Paul's saying here is like, man, I'm so grateful for all you know, all you've done, your deeds, what I've heard about the great things that have happened in your life. But man, I'm praying for more. Mm. I'm praying that you would understand Jesus deeper, better, yes. you know, using that word here, that your wisdom and revelation of him yeah. might just go deeper. 
I don't know how many of you are out there and you've kind of gotten to that point in your life. Maybe you're newer in your faith or maybe you've just been sitting with the Lord and His Word and the community of faith for a while. Have you yearned to go deeper with Mm. Him? Have you yearned to see God more clearly? Have you yearned to find depths that you haven't yet experienced with God and the people of God even? You know, it might be that the Lord is yearning in your life right now to take you into a deeper understanding of Himself or take you into a deeper faith practice. You know, so our tagline for praxis, hey, where theory becomes practice, maybe you need to deepen in your practice of kingdom loving and kingdom knowing. Mm. I don't know what might be kind of hitting you today, but that really impacted me just this, as I was, I was thinking about this text, this first chapter, Lord, uh, I want to go deeper with you. Yeah. I don't want to stop in my faith. Like there's so much more to grow in. And when we think about heaven, I mean, that's eternity. Uh, Imagine living with Jesus in your midst for the rest of your life. And there's this ever deepening, expanding of knowledge of him through that lifetime that doesn't stop. Time no longer makes sense, you know. Um, So if you get bored now with God and the things of the world become so much more interesting to you, what would eternity be like when it's like, whoa, you thought you knew me? Let me take you somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about expanding our knowledge deeper, it can it can seem like, well, I know God already, yeah. right? I already know the basics about him. How much deeper do I need to get? Yeah. But when I think about our knowledge of this world, for example, um, they talk about how uh, we've really only explored a fraction of mm. what there is to explore of our seas, yeah. right? The oceans of this world, there's there's places that humans have never even gone before mm. because it's so deep. Mm. We, know, mm. we know so little about even our own oceans. And we're talking about a God who created all mm. of that. Mm. So there is so much depth to yeah. explore yeah. with God. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. Here, Paul is talks about three aspects of God that he wants them to understand better, mm. right? He says, in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know first the hope mm. to which he has called you, mm. the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. Mm. So, so mm. This, is, this is not only the inheritance we get from God, but that he sees us as his inheritance, right? So we are his inheritance. Mm. And then third, his incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. Right? Wow, so there's wow, three wow. aspects that Paul really wants them to understand. Mm. The hope to which he has called you, mm. the fact that you are God's inheritance, and mm. the power that God has for you. Wow. Why, why do you think Paul is, Paul wants them to, like, what is the benefit of understanding those things better? Mm. Understanding hope mm. that God has for you better, that the fact that you are inheritance to God, mm. the, the the reality of how much power is available mm. to you mm. in Christ. Mm. Like, why mm. why is it that Paul, Paul wants the Ephesians mm. to understand mm. those th- three things better? I don't, I don't know if this is the reason, but I do know that this life is hard. Mm. This life is tough. You face things that you never expected in life. Yeah. Uh, things happen that you're just like, oh, God, how could this yeah. have occurred? You know, I just got to visit a young man who's been in a coma for the last three weeks. Mm. Just this morning, visiting the family, a uh, motorcycle accident. He slid out, then hit a truck. Oh, 
traumatic. You know, 30 years old, really strong guy. Um, just amazing. Got to see pictures of who he looked like before and now, you know, to see him lifeless there almost seemingly on the bed. It was just like, oh, so sobering. But because this life is so challenging, both in its traumatic moments like that or just the missteps we have, mm. I think this life can just be mentally exhausting, yeah. overwhelming, uh, confusing. Um, and when we realize in Christ, no, 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 no. There is hope to this life. Yes. And not only hope for you, but for yeah. others. And you will overcome. And yes. the text goes on. It says that same power that was given to resurrect Christ. Yes. Yes. Man, you will be resurrected from those dead places in your life. The dead understandings of things. The dead relationships will come alive. Yeah. The deadness in your soul will be reborn. Like God has so much for you. Like be encouraged, people of God. Yeah. You know, I think, I think Jesus yearns again talking about, hey, the theology, but also the practice of it is to raises people up yeah you know it isn't like this finger pointing like you got it you're you know and we diminish in our understanding like oh god looks at me so you know so harshly you know oh yeah. no but it's like no rise up my people there's so much good there's so much i want to give you so much i want to bless you with and if we think if we think of god more as the best parent not maybe the parents that sometimes we have had or parents we see you know, or our parents on our worst days, you know, that can be pretty hard. But it's like, man, God is the best parent out there. He wants to see the very best for us. That's yeah. how I see it. I yeah. don't know. Joey, you're a pretty amazing dad. I know you love to see your girls grow. It's amazing to see how tall they've gotten already. You know, how brilliant they are. And you yearn for them to have everything that yeah. they need to flourish in this life. Yeah. I don't know if I'm an amazing dad, but I have a t-shirt that says that I'm a rad dad. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, man. it's true. I yeah. mean, as a parent, you get a glimpse, right, yeah. of, of what God feels. Like yeah. when, when my daughters were born, I think that's the closest that I've ever gotten to understanding the love that God has mm. for us, right? Just, mm. just an overwhelming sense that I want all that is good yeah. for them. Yes. Right? Yeah. And and that's that's what God yeah. feels every yeah. time he sees us, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And See a little emotion there, <laughs> You get a little emotion. Gotcha. My, my daughters. But yeah, I think I think there is a sense of the difficulty and challenge of mm -hmm. life that you mentioned before in the book of Ephesians, because Paul is writing he's writing from prison right mm. so he's he he understands that they may be wondering like what is going on if god is so powerful is god is so great why is paul one of god's you know messengers who's doing so much good work why is he trapped in prison mm. Mm. why is he stuck there? Yeah. there there may have been some of those questions it seems like paul is addressing some of those challenges mm. in, in this mm. letter mm. because later on he talks about how he even though he is in, in chains, that he's, you know, he's in prison, that it actually is working for the sake of God, mm. right? So there is this dynamic that Paul is talking about, that, that, there, is, that there, is, there is a power that goes beyond our present circumstances, mm. Mm. that sometimes in the moments of our present circumstances, we can't realize it, yeah. but that power is greater. Amen. That power is greater. And yes. so... And, and I love how that leads into chapter two. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. talking about like, 
hey, there's a lot that's happened to us as a culture, as a people. There's a lot that you've gone through and there's a lot you struggled with. Yeah. And verse two, yeah. as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler in the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Whoa. Hmm. Some of you used to be in those things, but now you've been given that power, mm -hmm. that hope, that encouragement. You know, and it's just like a moment for us, I think as pastors are just gonna speak into our viewers here just for a moment, just like, listen, if it happened for the Ephesians, it can happen for you. They were in hard spaces, and yet they were able to rise up out of those spaces. I pray that for you, whether you're struggling with sin, whether you're struggling with a, a mental health issue, whether you're going through something financial, relational, um, whatever the breakdown is, God can bring you out of that. Yeah. And even more beautiful, he talks about, after he talks about how what they were stuck in, that they lived um, at one time gratifying, verse 3, mm. the cravings of their sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Verse 4, he says, I love this. There's a but here, mm. right? And whenever there's a but, you know there's transformation happening. Yes. He says, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Mm. It is by grace wow. you have been saved. Wow. So that is such a powerful statement. This, this imagery that Paul is using of death, yeah. bringing back to life. I don't think there's anything more radical mm. than something that mm. is dead, bringing, mm. bringing it back to yeah. life. And that's not a power that we have. There, there have been times where there's a lot of house plants in our house, I have to confess, that are on the brink of death. <laughs> <laughs> We're not very good at keeping oh, house man. plants alive. Kids, we've done a pretty good, good job, job of good keeping job, them good alive. Job, good job, right? We have a dog, we've kept him alive. Good. But when it comes to plants, we're not as great in keeping they're house plants real alive. People, <laughs> I get it. So there are a number of house plants that are on the brink of death. And there have been times when they were on the brink of death that we brought them back to life. Like we were able to nurture them, mm, put in the time and effort, mm. and bring them back to life. Yeah. But when the plant is dead, there's pretty much nothing that I can do to bring it back to life. This mm. is a radical transformation yeah. that he's talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, who is it? C.S. Lewis. Um, he he said he wrote that God didn't come to make bad people good. He he came to bring dead people to life. Amen. Right? I'm yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah. That. Yeah. But there, that that's the sense we get that it's a it's a radical transformation. Mm. But the question I'm left with because I do believe that there's power. We, You've talked yeah. about it. We, we've experienced that. It, I've experienced that in my life. The question is, what does that look like? Does that mean that when we have that radical transformation of death to life, that that old way no longer has power over mm. us? Does it mean that we no longer struggle with sin? Like, how do we know that transformation has happened mm. within mm. us? You know, uh, Dr. Pauline in one of his books, um, I'm forgetting now the title of it, but he talks about the five kind of steps to the secular drift. Mm -hmm. And um, he says, first, what happens is personal prayer ceases. Mm -hmm. uh, second, you stop kind of having meaningful time in the word or, or it loses its meaning for you, you know, just kind of scripture. And then thirdly, there are personal choices 
that you're making actions that now other people get to see where they notice a difference in your life. Whoa, mm. you've really changed. Like I, I knew you and now I, I'm kind of not. And then people move into uh, doubting some key fundamental truths of, of Christianity, scripture, uh, Adventism. Finally, till they get to the point of just doubting the key tenets of God as creator, uh, God as the author of life, now more evolutionistic kind of perspective, just like there is no God. You know, mm -hmm. I don't believe. So if you were to kind of work its way backwards, right? How, how have you seen like transformation in someone's life? It's like this reordering of like just key big things where now all of a sudden, wow, this person, this person, I can see something different. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes others may notice the change quicker than maybe you and I could. Yeah. Um, and, and there is a reordering of actions, you know, yeah. as long with a reordering of, of mind. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really powerful. One way I think of it. Yeah, no, I love that. You? I love that because what you're talking about is not, is a process, right? It's not like a one and done. Yeah. It's not a, a you flip the switch, the right. light is on and right. we don't do anything else. Right. That there is, there is a process of coming to life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, there is definitely, I think we've, we've all experienced it, whether, you know, those of us who follow Christ, there has been, there, there are moments we can speak to or point to, yes. maybe not just one, maybe several mm -hmm. moments that we can point to where we, we recognize there was an almost like an aha moment mm. or um, something that a desire came, the desire for God came alive yeah. or sparked something. Yeah. Some it, miracle that it's just a one-time moment. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there is, there are those beginnings, those yeah. embers, yeah. right? Yeah. And as they're nurtured, and that's the important part that I hear you saying mm -hmm. is that as those things are nurtured, that it starts to grow, that flame starts to grow within yeah. our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. But I love how you talk about how those personal habits, or I guess John Pauline talks about how those personal habits of a prayer and study those personal habits, they actually make a difference in the way, yes. the choices we make, the way we live, and yes. ultimately our view of the world and yes, of God. Absolutely. Right? So that's how we start to blow mm -hmm. air on. So mm -hmm. when, when the desire, because I remember going to camp meetings or mm -hmm. Korean camp meetings or to um, different retreats like yeah. our you know, leadership camp yeah. or, or Bible camp. Yeah. And, and. I would get so inspired, yeah. the speaker is sharing something yeah. and something comes alive within me, right? And yet I've had times when that coming to life wasn't accompanied by changes mm. or shifts in mm. my habits mm. in my daily life. And that quickly goes out. Mm. Sort of like, you know, when you're starting a fire and you, you get those first few sparks, yeah. you have to keep feeding that fire, otherwise it blows out yeah. and dies. It's oh, very, yeah. very tender at that stage, oh, yeah. right? So you're talking about a process that there is a coming to life, mm. but that there are habits that we need to engage in in order mm. to keep yeah. that fire yeah. alive. Is yeah. that right? And absolutely, and I, and I won't discredit the miraculous. Yeah. Like at some points in, in my life and, and other stories I've heard and I know of, just like, Whoa, that's a life change. I mean, it's like night and day immediate. Yeah. I remember uh, doing literature evangelism. I don't know if you ever were able to do that, uh, but it was a life-changing experience for me. And our director uh, used to be in the military. Amazing guy. Love the dude. He, he just shared his story of when he just gave up drinking. And mm -hmm. he was a hardcore alcoholic. I mean, wow. he loved 
you know. But when he encountered Christ, reading the word, all of a sudden one night, he just sensed this overwhelming spirit of God bring conviction to his life. Hey, let the bottle go. Mm. His wife comes home, seeing him opening the entire alcohol closet, uh, cupboard, just emptying bottle after bottle. Wow. And she's like, what are you doing? You know, hundreds of dollars worth of alcohol, but she knew how much he he loved it, and she couldn't believe. Never again to touch. Wow. Uh, you know the bottle, and that was just. But I think for a lot of us, it's like, just this sequential pointing of God's hand in our life. Hey, did you see this area? Mm-hmm. Hey, you see this? Hey, walk closer with me in this way. Um, but sometimes there's a couple steps back you take, mm-hmm. and and but but the idea is like just to keep on it. You may fall but get back up. Yeah. You know, and the blessing of community, uh, what is it in, in uh, the Psalms of Proverbs, you know, blessed is the one who has uh, another with him mm-hmm. that there might be strength in that cord, yeah. you know, when one falls, the other picks the other up, you yeah. know, so that's the blessing of community together, church, fellowship, and deeply letting yourself be known to others. Yeah. Some of us kind of want to just sit in the back a little bit. There yeah. are times where it's just like, hey, I don't want to even go to church. Just let me watch you know, online for a long time. And you're just like, wait a minute. Are you experiencing the fullness of what it means to be known and encouraged by the body of Christ? Yeah. Uh, I remember my freshman year in college. I don't know if I ever made it to church. <laughs> Sadly, yeah. I, if I did make it, I made it to the final amen. And once the sermon was done and I hoped someone would invite me for potluck, you know, that was kind of where I was at. Yeah. <laughs> but um, a lot I, of college students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was missing. I was missing the encouragement of the people of God to deepen my walk with Him, and how unfortunate for me at that time. But you know, God kept working on me, and I found the meaning in community again. Yeah, you know, meaning of being with the people of God and and my own family. Yeah, which is kind of where Paul moves us into when we look at uh, the next chapter. Maybe if we were to jump into there. Yeah. Here we have. Um, you know, another four chapters to go. I, I think of now God's marvelous plan for the Gentiles to be included, uh, the prayer for the Ephesians. But then he moves into this idea of community mm-hmm. in, in chapter four, mm-hmm. where Paul now looks, hey, as a prisoner for the Lord, and he's, he's legitimate in the prison, as you were talking about. He says, I urge you to live your life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble, verse two, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Mm. You know, what's so powerful about the connection that he makes is that Paul leads, starts with the power of God that does a personal transformation, mm. but that person, it doesn't end with a personal transformation, right? Because right at the end of chapter two, the second half of chapter two is that communal transformation. Mm. He's saying that the power, the same power that you experienced that brought you from death to life, yeah. it's the same power that makes a community where Gentiles and Jews can coexist together, mm. not just coexist, but to to be brothers and sisters in Christ, mm. to be a family mm. of God, to be a part of the same, like all of this imagery, mm. the same body of Christ, yeah. to be a part of the same temple that God is building. He uses all of these different metaphors to describe how God is able to bring life to mm. death, mm. not just personally, 
but also communally, communally. right? Wow, wow. So wow, that's wow, what chapter Joey. two and chapter three are mm, all about, that mm. power of the transformation of God. Yeah. And the basis of all of that um, is that what he says in chapter two, uh, verses eight and nine, right? The, the very famous passage, right? For it is by grace yeah. that you have been saved through faith, faith right? Yeah. And that is like the foundation. He's saying, he's saying that you experience this, and you talked, you talked about this. There are times where we take steps backwards, yeah. both communally and also personally. Yeah. We take steps backwards, mm-hmm. but grace is available to all of us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how far we've taken those steps back. Mm-hmm. That grace, God is always starting yeah. He's, he's throwing sparks, right? Yeah, to yeah. start that fire yeah. again within yeah. us. Those yeah. sparks are continuing to come yeah. and God is not going to give up on us. The only time that we would, we stop is when we give up on mm. God, right? And so as long as there is even a, m- a small bit of desire to mm. follow God, God is still mm. sending those mm. sparks. Even mm. when there is no desire, yeah. he's trying to spark that desire within us. And I just, I love that imagery. I, I think of also the fact that when God's people in the Old Testament, New Testament, whenever the leader started to go astray a bit, mm. when they were sensing just a different direction, how that impacted communally everybody. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think of, for instance, our homes, Christian homes today, you know, moms, dads, uh, older siblings, you know, recognize the importance there is in your life to walk in faithfulness. And I don't say that like with condemnation because I'm a parent and I've, oh Lord, forgive me for, you know, the ways I haven't led as I want to or yeah. desire to. But I just say that just like, wow, be so thoughtful mm. in how you're leading in your home, both in your personal actions and kind of what you're inviting your family or friends into as we lead our lives, because it does then lead a community potentially in the wrong direction. Um, And that's a hard thing. You know, we talk about maturity in Christ. We're obviously all at different places, but I think the impact of the world on us sometimes can just almost cause us to fall into a lull, like a spiritual sleep where it's like, eh, it's not that big a deal. It's Mm. not, I'm just tired. You know, kids just do it. Yeah. And it's exhausting as parents to, I mean, I think about it so much easier to just give him a phone. Uh, okay, just <laughs> don't um, bother me. I uh, won't bother you. It, uh, <laughs> you know, and we had to kind of make some new new rhythms in our home yeah. um, to, to find more investment in what's going to really build up this mature, our children, mature, our home, our family uh, to be just better for them, better for us as a whole. Yeah. You know, um, that's just kind of this practical thing that got me thinking from what you were saying. I love that. And actually pastor Philip preached a powerful sermon about that last week. If you missed that, encourage you to go back. It's on our website, on our YouTube channel, you can watch it, but about the impact that our small choices make as a family, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That we are communal creatures so that I, I love this imagery that, that, our personal decisions do, do have an impact oh, yeah. on the families, the structures, yeah. the systems yeah. that we are a part yeah. of. And so we're not just separate. I, I know in this United in the United States, um, in Western society, we have a very individualistic we do. Out, outlook. We do. But when you go to other cultures, they, there is a recognition that we are not 
just individuals. Mm. We are individuals, but we're not just individuals. We're also part of mm. systems. How is that, you know, coming from an Asian community? Yeah. I mean, that's a very important mindset to have towards life with others and your family. Yeah, it's it's a big part of, of, of the Korean um, mindset, although that has started to shift. Oh, really? Over as... as the Korean society has become more westernized. Mm. It has started to shift. And there are even, you know, I don't know if anybody watches Korean dramas, <laughs> but but there are even like popular shows that have come out bemoaning that fact that oh. we're losing that aspect mm. of who we are. Mm. That that the respect that we had for the elderly, mm. the the sense of caring for our families, mm. that that family connection, the mm. aloneness, that those things are being bemoaned because wow. we are starting to lose some of that. Wow. So this wow. is not just a, an, an American thing. This yeah. is something that, as as society changes, yeah. it, it changes the ways that we interact with each yeah. other. And yet, Paul here in mm. chapter four, as you were pointing out, um, he he says. If you want this this unity to be strong, right? In verse, I love the verse two that you read. He he gives them a very simple instruction. He says, "Be completely humble, and gentle, and be patient, Bear, yeah. bearing one another with love." Mm, right? These three mm, characteristics, mm. and when you think about it, that is so powerful. Mm. Um, and the basis of all of this, of course, is the idea that all of us have been saved by grace, right? Mm. That none of us are better mm. than others, mm. which is the foundation of that humility, mm. right? Mm. That humility is is this idea that we is is seeing ourselves as we truly are, right? Is understanding that we are not better than other people, mm. right? That humility. Mm. And then the gentleness is not thinking too too exceedingly big of ourselves and then the patience that we have for yeah. each other. Yeah. These characteristics, I I wonder how much how much how many struggles, how many conflicts could be overcome in healthy manners if we just had humility, mm. treated each other with gentleness mm. and had patience. Oof. Joy. Every every conflict probably would be solved with that. I mean, it's it almost seems like supernatural in holiness. <laughs> I mean, it's like wow. And yet, you know, that's the thing. What I love about the scripture and what what Ephesians brings out, it's uh, the the call of God is so great. Yeah. Like there is a high Christology. There's this high understanding of standard, like what you're called to. But to support the high standard, there is this high understanding of grace yeah. that is just that's so evident in this book. So it's like God doesn't change his standard for our brokenness. He elevates his mercy to meet that and allow that to bring us more into alignment with that, what he yearns for us, because he knows it's going to be best. Like, man, if I could be so much more patient and humble in arguments with my wife, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in, uh, in the doghouse, you know, at times. I remember there was this argument we had just recently, and it's like, instead of responding with love, mm -hmm. gentle, oh, tell me more about that. I was like, Elena, are you kidding me? No way. That's not true. You know, I, I wasn't humble. I was so defensive. I, you know, John Gottman talks about the four horsemen mm -hmm. of the relational apocalypse. If you've never uh, heard about those, I, I would encourage you to read that. Um, but one of them is is defensiveness. I am mm -hmm. the king of defensiveness at times. And, and yet when I kind of stop, slow down, come back, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Tell me more about that. I mean, it softens her heart so much. 
Uh, I guess we're, we're almost talking about Ephesians chapter 5 right now. We're going to get there, right? Because that actually is what Paul is building towards, yeah. right? Like he sets up this, this general principle that we are to be humble and gentle yeah. and patient. Yeah. Yeah. And then he starts, he redefines the household codes, mm. which, which were actually common things during mm. Paul's time. Like in Roman culture, there were these um, philosophers would put together these household codes that describe the ideal way that households should interact interact. And Paul takes that and reinvents them based on these three principles and the idea uh, that we were brought into oh, unity, right? Oh, okay. And so there is that underlying idea of not thinking better of ourselves okay. than somebody else, right? So he's even in the ways that he describes, you know, interactions with slaves, with children, mm. right? All of these things, these household codes that Paul redefines based on the, this uh, principle. So there were not thinking. There were almost you could say errors in the code that he was rewriting or so he i mean how it was it's almost like if um paul took a popular song mm-hmm. um a pop song uh, i see i see and then reinvented the uh, lyrics okay, okay, okay. um with something that's based on the theology that he has gotcha. presented here gotcha right gotcha. like i don't know if you've ever sang growing up um those they i had teachers who would take um popular pop songs and then uh-huh. they would change the lyrics like instead of um um lean on me they change it to lean on him ah. right when you're not strong oh <laughs> he'll be your friend he'll well, can help you, you sing carry that on. for us no i cannot lean on <laughs> when you're not strong but it's that idea yeah. that paul is taking something that is well known these household codes and then he's and uh, it's not he's not okay. the only one there were lots yeah. of different versions of household codes out there yeah. he took it and then he sort of put mm, his own spin mm, on mm, on mm, this mm. this lyric yeah right yeah yeah, I love how Paul uh, just moves into also now as you look at what is the kind of heartbeat of the home, uh, the mother and father mm. uh, really do give life to that home. It begins yeah. with mom and dad. Yeah, I, I love one of my uh, good friends, uh, Nick and Deanne. They're going to be doing a, a marriage conference. He's uh, the youth director in Nebraska, Kansas conference. Mm-hmm. And there, it's going to be called, um, oh goodness, the foundation, the right foundation. And it starts with marriage, no, first with God, marriage, children, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like when you build your home on that principle, like, hey, the first three chapters set the foundation in Christ. Yeah. And then we move into the, the mom and dad have got to be the next priority. A lot of times as parents, we want to just simply prioritize the kids because they're yeah. vulnerable. They're needy. They need everything. Yeah. But if if we neglect the marital unit yeah. for the sake of the children the children will eventually suffer yeah you know as the marriage breaks down and so paul starts verse 20 and he says hey submit first to christ out of reverence to christ and then wives submit and then verse 26 hey husbands love your wives he's kind of giving these reminders both to both genders and different ways of mm-hmm. of various priorities he sees but he starts with the parents and i think that's a really important thing i guess yeah. to just make mention right now just for a moment to our viewers um don't neglect your marriage if those of you who are young parents especially 
that is the most important thing you can do to love your children. Husbands, loving your wife in front of your kids, giving her a big hug, giving her a kiss, telling her that you love her in front of your kids. That means so much to your children. It gives them a sense of security. Um, Wives, the same way, honor your husband, like shower him with praise as well. Give him affirmation. Um, I tell this to couples all the time, you know, as they're getting married, really make sure that those first years of your marriage, you are giving so much affirmation that when your spouse walks out of the door, they feel like they are the most important and best person in the world. So that when temptation should emerge, which it does in marital life, that there is no doubt where your affection comes from. It's from your spouse, you know, and that is, that is so important to have. So I just wanted to encourage people that, but I don't know, Joey, what kind of hits you in this fifth chapter here? I, I, I love that. I love that, that Paul starts with the husband and wife and we should also start with the husband and wife. I mean, but at the basis of that relationship, verse 21, what, what strikes me is this Submit to one another yeah. out of reverence for yes. Christ. Yes. So it is a mutual submission, right? Yes. And there have been times when we've sort of misread this and said, oh, only the wives submit. Right, right. right. But right. Paul's very clear no. that both are doing submission. Absolutely. And the other thing I find very interesting about this passage is that Paul spends, what, the bulk of this eight verses describing how husbands should treat their wives, mm. right? And only three verses describing how wives yeah, should, yeah, should yeah, treat yeah, their husbands. Yeah. And I, I think- I guess we've got some more words. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I, I think it was Miguel that brought this up when we were studying this together, this idea that Paul is putting attention where attention is most, most needed. Yeah. He's understanding that mutual submission is actually going to be harder for husbands in this mm. society than it is for women mm. because women are already being taught to submit to their husbands. Mm. So he, he wants to make it very clear mm. the priority and the love yes. that husbands yes. need to show to their yes. lives. So he's being very, very descriptive here. Yeah. And this, he does the same thing with children later on mm. as well. Mm. Like he talks about children, but then notice he doesn't address them the mothers in verse four, he says, fathers mm. do not exasperate your children. Instead, mm. bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Again, mm. there's this idea. Now, I don't know if it would be different if Paul was writing today versus back then, but at least in this, this context, Paul is seemingly saying that, you know, it is the fathers, it is the husbands who need a little bit more mm. prompting mm. on how to do this mm. than the mothers and, and, and the children, mm. the mothers and the wives. Mm. Right. So there's this idea that Paul is, Paul is trying to encourage everyone yeah. Yeah. because the fathers and the husbands yeah. at that time, at least yeah. they were the ones that had, the authority they, they had the power they, they had the control access to the funds yeah yeah which the is why it's harder time. if you have the power to be in submission yeah right yeah. and yet in today's culture man we need more godly god-fearing leaders as men and husbands to really step up yeah uh, and i really believe that when our men and fathers really step up in that way that the home is in more balance yes. you know there are more women in church there are more women in church leadership. There are more women who are more God-fearing, leading their kids to Christ. And that is that is central. I mean, the mom, the woman in, in community is literally the foundation in so many ways. But yet Paul's like, listen, 
guys, rise up to this because when you do that, you elevate your home. Yes. You know, and I think right now, I want to just encourage dads, I want to encourage men out there, recognize the calling that the Lord has given you to really live into having dominion over your life, taking full responsibility as a man of God to live into all the things he's called you to because you will influence and impact everyone around you uh, for the better. And now is that time, if you're a young adult watching this or you're a grandfather who's kind of looked back like some mistakes of the past, like, hey, take ownership for that now. Make those corrections. You still have life to give and impact to make, you know? So, yeah. And mm. that's an important point because submission is not weakness. No. Right? No. Because, and that's that's how God really redefines strength. Yes. We talked about this a little bit when we did our Revelation series, right? That the world's concept of strength is manipulation, Mm. authority, Mm. force, Mm. right? Violence. Yeah. That's, those are the ways that the world establishes is power and strength but god's way the way of the lamb is a lamb that is slain mm. a submission submitted lamb wow. who has sacrificed wow and that is ultimately the power that overcomes that's huge right and so we need to also redefine strength i think because there's times that we've sometimes i think as a as a man i shy away from this idea of submission because i'm afraid that it will make me weak Mm. That I won't be a true man unless I'm a man that is like fighting and angry and strong Mm. all the time. Mm -hmm. But that's not strength, Mm. not the way that Jesus defies Mm. strength. Mm. Of course, Jesus had incredible strength. He had an iron will and he stood up for the weak when they needed to be stood up for. But ultimately, he was in submission to God. Mm -hmm. He was in submission to to uh, somebody else's plan for his life. And he didn't allow, his way was not the way of violence. Yeah. Right? And so, I remember, so a little bit of confession here growing Uh up there were times that i was so afraid of being weak that i i would whenever i felt like i was i was weak i would flare up my temper Mm. as a way of feeling strong Mm. and i don't know if that's common with other people or it's just me i think it's just you (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding but there is there is there's almost a connection there was almost a connection in my brain that Anger and violence mm. equal strength. Wow. But that's not mm. the way of Christ. And that's what Paul, I think, is trying to redefine here. He's mm. saying, no, mm. submission to your wife, loving your wife, putting her first, mm. that's not weakness. Yeah. That's strength. Yes. Right? Yes. Not exasperating your children yes. and trying to force them and manipulate them into yeah. your own mold. Yeah. That's not strength. Yeah. That's actually weakness. Mm. Right? Paul is, as a master, Treating your slaves well. And, Mm. you know, this is not him saying that slavery is a good way. He's saying that the slavery is a reality of the world that they live in Mm -hmm, right then. mm -hmm. He says, as a master, just because you have power and authority of your slave, forcing them to do whatever, that's not power and strength. Mm, That's mm, not strength. mm, That's mm, weakness. mm, So Paul is redefining strength mm, here. And if we can just catch a glimpse of that for ourselves, we can say, this is not, it's not masculine. Mm. It's not masculine to to try to be violent and angry and loud and mm. forceful. That's not masculinity. Yeah. That's not he's, the way he's that reordering God is. it. I mean, it's yeah. like, hey, there is a place for righteous anger, yeah. there, as Jesus showed us. There is a place to kind of hey speak up to things, to use your voice, whatever it means. But 
it, it isn't necessarily the way. You're yeah. right. I like that, Joey. That's such a good point. I think reordering our, our minds into a more godly biblical vision for, you know, whether it's manhood, uh, what it means to be a husband in the society is so important. And, and bring that in accordance to the scriptural vision is just as important as it means to like, hey, rise up, be a man, be a you know, husband. Yeah. But it's like, do it in the right way, in the right fashion. Uh, certain cultures do have these aberrations of what a godly man looks like. We talk about toxic masculinity, if you want. But I think right now we also need to see that there is a value to being a man. There is a value to being a husband. There's a value to being a wife, uh, a father, a mother. In all these places, there is a role that each plays. And uh, when done correctly, it builds the home, gives security to our kids. It really brings the flourishing yeah. of our community. When each home, each unit, hey, wow, they're both under the authority of Christ. Each parent unit, both under the authority of Christ. That is a strong church then as each family unit is built in that framework. Wow, you have then a powerful influence in the community. Uh, imagine if each one of us thought of ourselves as mission communities in our neighborhood that said, hey, how can I build up my neighborhood? How can I build up my community to be strong here? Yeah. So we don't keep getting robbed by people. Yeah. But it's like, how do churches do the same thing? Hey, strengthen the home. Yeah. Strengthen your connections there. So, hey, this was a fun journey through yeah. Ephesians, Joey. Yes. We got to the end. Yes. In one, about one hour. So, <laughs> Philip, will you pray for us? As yeah. We, as yeah, we. absolutely. Amazing God, thank you so much for our friends who are watching here right now. Jesus, you know the various things that they're going through, the various issues they're struggling with, and you know the various ways in which their hearts were spurned on by this discussion of your word. Jesus, embolden them, strengthen them to live into these things, not on their own, but through the might and hand of the Lord. And God, give them a renewed strength that's found within you, whether it's overcoming an addiction, whether it's making a new habit, whether it's just simply saying, Jesus, I want to know you better for the sake of my family, my life. God, do that for us. And today, Jesus, we also want to pray uh, that you would bless our church. Thank you for the Loma Linda University Church, the media team that makes all this happen behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father, for the leadership of so many. And so, Father, we want to thank you for this place. May we use and steward this gift well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So may the unity, the power, the love, the hope of Jesus change the way that we live. Have a wonderful, happy Sabbath. Mm -hmm.